Greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode two of the Storyboard. I'm happy to have you all here with me today because I'll be doing one of my favorite personal pastimes. Today, we'll be exploring some studios and animation directors and digging into their histories and some of their works. A lot of what comes out of the medium is the fact that audiences mainly get to experience their works, but like fast food, you don't really know about the production or process that goes into them. Therefore, I think it would be proper to explore some of my favorites within the industry. I have a lot of respect for what they've done, and without them, I do believe that animation wouldn't have as much of a reach as it does now. I wish I could do everything that I had in mind, but I decided to cut it down to help make it easier to digest. Besides, I think it would be better to name both the underrated and popular talents who have made a name for themselves. Therefore, let's begin our highlights with the one and only Leica Studios. Leica originated back in 1975 back when it was known as Will Vinton Studios, named after the Oscar-winning animator himself, Will Vinton. If you don't know who he is, he's the guy behind the California Raisins I heard it through the Grapevine ad campaigns for all the old-timers. In 1998, the company was in a bit of a struggle. Now, this next part you guys aren't going to believe, but Nike co-founder Phil Knight made his first investment in the company during that time. His son, Travis Knight, then joined the studio as a junior animator. However, in 2003, Phil owned the majority of the company, and then decided to kick out Vinton due to his films not making many earnings. He then gave the studio to his son Travis, and the rest is history. Leica Studios uses stop motion as their animation style. Essentially, they use puppets that are physically manipulated in small increments between individually photographed veins. After getting the photographs, they can be digitally edited in order to help them portray full movement. This also helps them with post-production in which they can add any special effects or cleanup. Now, for some examples of their works, you guys might know this first one. Their very first film is Coraline, which is arguably still their most popular film to this day. It was released back in 2009 with wide critical acclaim, and to this day, it's still a pretty strong cultural icon. Then again, why wouldn't it be? From its characters, to its story, to its animation, etc., Coraline honestly raised the standard to stop motion, in, in my opinion. Sure, it was released in the same film as the same year as Fantastic Mr. Fox, and we all know that's the best of them, but Coraline has truly earned all of its praise and accolades. The characters help hold this film together, especially Coraline herself and Other Mother. Their conflict brought a real horror element to the film because apparently, it scared people growing up. I can see why though, the effort that went into the film makes it stand out so much even to this day. Coraline is like as golden goose and without it, I don't think they would have made it to today. I recommend checking it out if you haven't, and if you've seen it before, watch it again. It'll be just as good as it was the first time. Up next, I would like to discuss Paranorman, and Paranorman is an odd one to me. You don't get to hear much about it, even though I only just got to see it a few months ago. And in it, we follow the story of Norman, a kid who can see ghosts, and because of his uncanny ability, he's considered weird and an outcast amongst his peers. I don't want to spoil much of it because it's truly a film that deserves to be a Halloween classic. What's even better is that the entire movie is a spoof of B-movie zombie flicks. Just like Coraline, it truly has its own identity, but it still brings the question. Why didn't it catch on as much? After all, this was the second film made by Leica, so you'd think a lot of their fans would, from Coraline would cross over. But for some reason, they didn't. I think, it's because it need, I think it's because it needed to get more attention. It's funny, poetic, and it shows how to deal with conflict in a way that helps everybody. 
While it's not as much of a visual spectacle as Coraline, it's still a film that deserves more than it gots. Ultimately, Leica Studios is one of those mixed bags when it comes to their movies. Their biggest peak to this day still remains to be Coraline, but the rest of their lineup can be pretty hit or miss for a mass audience. I thought that Kubo and the Two Strings was charming, but lacked what made Coraline and Paranorman great. I didn't get to see Box Trolls, and The Missing Link didn't catch my attention. They deserved their kudos because continuously, they advance stop-motion animation every day in the movie that they make. They don't get much earnings or praise as in the likes of Disney or DreamWorks, but I hope that they continue to prosper. I'm not worried that much since Travis could always ask his father for cash if they need it. Up next, I want to highlight a director who's recently caught my eye. He only has one film out at the moment, but he has plenty of short films. Therefore, I would like to introduce you all to director and animator Alberto Vasquez Rico. Alberto is a Spanish filmmaker and comic book writer. He's also one of the founders of the Palakia comic book creators group, where he's able to independently publish his own works. Some of his comic books include Frida, which released in 2003, and Psychonatas, which released in 2006. In 2011, in partnership with Pedro Rivero, he was able to adapt his most popular work, Psychonatas, into a short film under the title of Bird Boy. After winning an award, it inspired him to make it into a full-length movie. Alberto is someone who's been in the business for a while, so it's clear that he knows what he's doing. I enjoyed watching the movie version of Bird Boy, and I'm currently checking out his short films. I find his art style to be very unique, especially in the way how it tricks the audience into thinking that his works are for kids, when really they're made for adults. He has another movie releasing soon called Unicorn Wars, based on his short film Unicorn Blood. He certainly has a lot of potential, and I hope his movies gain more attention amongst people worldwide, as I believe he truly deserves it. Up next, I want to show respect to a Japanese animator who passed away in 2010. His works loved mixing the boundaries between fiction and reality. Through his magic, he explored the ability of the human psyche. Therefore, allow me to introduce Satoshi Kon. Satoshi Kon was a Japanese filmmaker, director, screenwriter, and manga artist from Sapporo, Hokkaido. He's best known for his animated films Perfect Blue, Millennium Actress, Tokyo Godfathers, and Paprika. He was also a member of the Japanese Animation Creators Association, a group that advocated for better working conditions for Japanese animators. Amongst anime fans and Japanese filmmakers in general, Kon's works are hailed as some of the best media to ever come out of the country. Similar to Hayao Miyazaki, he's someone who's brought so much respect to the medium. To this day, no one has ever been able to top him or his record. In my own opinion, I'd say he deserves a place amongst some of the best filmmakers in general. So much of his influence is still prevalent, even years after his death. If anyone could convince people that animation is for everyone, Cone is our guy. I mentioned earlier about how his works explored the ability of the human mind, and that's because it's a common element amongst his films. Perfect Blue, for example, is a stellar opener for anyone who wants to explore this. In the movie, we see our protagonist, Mima Kirigoe, constantly going back and forth between what's real and what's in her mind. After changing her career from idol to actress, a series of serial killings occur as she becomes a victim of stalking, causing her to lose her grip on reality. When I watched it, I was profound by how much it felt like a commentary of idol culture. Seeing Mima's double eyes conflict with one another was such a good idea for a conflict. Like, this film had me scared more than the majority of horror films that I've seen. 
But what truly gets me is the fact that he was able to make four masterpieces in a row. After Perfect Blue, he wrote and directed Millennium Actress, where he explored the story of a retired actress's life as the lines between reality and cinema becomes blurred. In Tokyo Godfathers, he created the perfect Christmas movie that explored the themes of homelessness and abandonment. His final film, Pakrika, goes right back to his roots of exploring the human psyche, but this time through our dreams. Not only that, Paprika is one of the most beautifully animated films that I've ever watched. With an amazing story to boot, all I can think of is that one scene of Homelander. It was perfect. Perfect, all of it. Down to the last minute details. With a filmography like this, no wonder he's been able to leave behind such a legacy. Satoshi Kon is someone who I wish could have lived a long life. It's crazy to think that he's able to create such masterpieces while dealing with pancreatic cancer. During the last year of his life, he spent it at home with his family, and only after his death did the news of his condition get revealed to the public. Despite this, he died. He did what he loved for such a long time. And I hope more people check out his films, as I truly believe that the medium of animation elevated because of his presence. If you're looking for movies to explore, then be sure to check out his trippy, thought-provoking experiences of the human mind. This brings an end to episode two of the storyboard, and I'm happy that I was able to showcase a studio and two animators that I know of. I hope to bring more information about people involved in the field in a future episode. For the next few episodes of the storyboard, I'll be doing more of somatical analysis of the medium as they relate to our modern day times. I'm doing a lot of research to bring you guys as much quality as I can, and I hope that you guys will tune in next time to enjoy what I'll have cooking up. This is Jeffrey Martin, and I'll talk to you all again real soon. Until next time.